This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network, sponsored by Soundring. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Jabberjaw Media is a podcast network helping independent and like-minded shows grow to their potential. For more shows like this one, go to JabberjawMedia.com. The Jabberjaw Network is sponsored by Soundrink, an experience company. Please visit Soundrink for more information. Not everything metal was created equal. What an ugly thing to say. The Metal Sucks Podcast. Chickity Chuck and Godless attempt to bring order to chaos or just make stupid jokes about dumb people. Stupid. A person below normal intelligence. This is the Metal Sucks Podcast. Greetings and salutations, my fine metal friends. Welcome to another edition of the Metal Sucks Podcast. How the hell you doing? I'm Chuck. And I'm Godless. And this is your weekly examination of all things metal, the Metal Sucks Podcast. This episode brought to you by Creative Live. You want to learn how to record music? Well, check out our friends over at Creative Live. They've got classes on engineering, mixing, mastering, all taught by artists like Between the Bear to Me, Converge, Periphery, Dillinger. Head over to creativelive.com slash audio to learn more and watch some free previews. Also brought to you this week by Converse Rubber Tracks. Oh, I tell you what, any band can apply for a full day of studio time at the Converse.com slash Rubber Tracks. If selected, bands record at no cost while maintaining the rights to their own music. For more info, visit Converse-Music.com. That is pretty damn awesome, dude. Dude, that is kick-ass. Isn't it, right? I mean, can you imagine like, like how many bands, like, you know, you might have like eight songs that kind of, eh, but every band's got like that one song that you love to get like an awesome recording of you know and who knows what happens when you get out of that because people hear that one song and go oh man everything else that that band does must be awesome and then if they hear the rest of the stuff you got and they're kind of like eh man but at least for a while there people are really optimistic about you that's pretty kick ass well I was listening to the the latest one that uh, Metal Six posted the organ dealer I think is who it was uh, that like their stuff and it's cool because like uh, I think Metal Six pulled like 10 unsigned bands and got them in there like they did a open application process thing for it and like those bands get to work with Kurt Ballou in one studio or Will Putney in the other, which is like, dude, hello. I mean, not only is that a great calling card for you to have like in your pocket to have this one song that's produced by a badass like that, but also like to have that one song is really awesome because yeah. now you got and it's yours, you know, to have it not owned by the company that did it for you. You know what I mean? That's. That's pretty unique. It really is. It's kind of awesome. Yeah. Oh, dig that. Dig that. What an opportunity. What's that? Where's that? What's the web again? It's uh, converse.com slash rubber tracks if you want to uh, do like apply for it, but uh, converse-music.com. And also, you know, we post them all the time, uh, the ones that they're, the metal ones that are coming up. It's, just, it's some cool stuff, man. So, yeah, cool. it's pretty awesome. Hey, uh, make sure you are subscribed to this podcast on iTunes and all that good stuff. You can find us, Metal Sucks Podcast. Just search it and you will find it on Stitcher. Wherever you get your podcast, you can find it, subscribe. That way it comes right to your device and you get it you don't have to worry about like hunting it down but if you are one of those hunters and peckers like i am uh you might go to uh, metalsucks.net every single monday and you can download our latest episode this will be number 126 so we got a great guest this week uh, oh, 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 we've been talking about this guest for a long time we've wanted to get uh, we've wanted to get john basley on the show for uh, quite some time yeah this is the this is like a, a dream get you know 
you remember there was a time when the only three topics of metal that were interesting were Randy Bly's in jail, Tim Lambesis <laughs> is in jail, and John Baisley's in the hospital. And you know, we finally got yeah. at least one out of those three. You know, we 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 hit the big four last week. We got yeah. all the big four. Now here's the other the, the other three. You know, we got to get the other three. We got one out of the other three now. Well, I tell you, we went for quite some time with John and uh, and got into some deep stuff. But man, I, I could have talked to him for another like three. Three hours uh, i mean like he's yeah. such an interesting dude and i'm and i am totally a dork for his artwork that it's it's dumb i mean it really is dumb i've got i've got his posters on my wall i got them all over the place and i, I are, are we agreed that that purple is the album of the year oh we can't say that yet not yet we gotta wait for that I, episode not, i know i know but i mean like dude <laughs> i'm saying i won't say what yours is mine is freaking purple it's the freaking best album of the year now i love the new refused album i think that's an absolute instant classic but purple is so good it's like it's 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 gonna be like one of those albums that we all look back in, in in time and it's gonna be like raining blood or master of puppets or you know it, it one of those albums that this genre will hold up as the best that is possible you know what i mean i don't think we truly is awesome i don't think maybe three four i don't think we've agreed on our best album of the year ever uh and i think this year i think we agree i i think we totally agree and i think for the same reasons because i really do think this is one of those records that will go down in history as as one of the best records of all time honestly i I really do because it's one of the because i liked it on the beginning just like the first listen the initial and then i've loved it as like kept loving it with every listen which is amazing i keep hearing more and more stuff in it so but our full list is going to be coming out soon here on metal sucks and we're going to talk about that in our last podcast of the year so we don't want to get into too much as far as our lists are concerned but we also are going to talk about uh uh, we're <laughs> going to talk about, hey, should another band manage your band? <laughs> we're, we're, now, this came out of uh, Exodus and Testament, right? Yeah. Ex- it was uh, uh, another podcast. Uh, with, with uh, It's a one-on-one podcast that uh, did an interview with Rob Dukes, uh, and it was about Chuck Billy. And Chuck Billy manages Exodus, which is kind of an odd thing. Man, I and you, you know, I never really thought about it. You know, did, didn't think it would be that big of a deal. But he kind of brought up a pretty good point uh, as far as why that might be a conflict of interest to have another, <laughs> bless you, another band that is uh, the managing your band. That could be a very odd thing, especially when your bands are sort of equivalent. You know, as far as like uh, in the hierarchy of bands or whatever. You know, so we're going to talk about that in the back half of the show here, as well as. Um, uh, Listen to a couple songs from one from Vision of Disorder. We're also going to get that new uh, Baroness track on here as well. But let's get into our interview. How about that? Because yeah. um, quick sh- quick shout out to the was it the Ghost Inside and Fear Factory? You both had bus crashes, oh, and you know with with what Baroness has gone through, they went through a horrific bus crash a few years ago, and you know the, half the band is not in the band anymore, and you know Basley's living in pain, you know, and yeah. will spend the rest of his life in pain, and you know it's it's tough to imagine. It sounds like Fear Factory got out relatively okay, Unscathed even though the pictures are horrific. Yeah. Yeah, but the Ghosts Inside are going to be going exactly through yeah. what Baroness are going through now. Hopefully, they got an awesome album in the future, too. Dude, but, that was, uh, uh, that, yeah. that's a rough. So, if nothing else, just as a reminder, because the weather here in Texas is uh, is shit right now. I mean, like, it's getting really shitty, icy, and nasty out there. 
this is that time of year where you got to drive fucking slow, people. All right, reminder driver to 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 take his uh, ephedrine and and <laughs> not not fall asleep at the wheel even for a second because it is it's dangerous out there right now. So you got you guys be careful. And if you're driving your bus or whatever, man, oh, dude. I mean, I couldn't imagine like if those guys got in that same wreck and they weren't in a big bus. You know, if they were in a van with a trailer or something like that, oh my god, that'd be that'd be terrible. I mean, because yeah. it was them. I think who else got into one too? There was um, uh, Black Cobra. I think got to, and they were in Texas too. Like they rolled their van. I mean, it's a, just it's that time of year where all this is happening. But it dovetails kind of into the John Basley conversation because we definitely talk about uh, the bus crash and everything that happened with the Baroness and how that affected him and all that stuff. So let's get into our interview with uh, with John. Uh, Basely on the Metal Sucks podcast. John, how's man. it going? It is uh, Chuck and Godless from the Metal Sucks podcast, man. Welcome. Hey, thank you. Yeah, of course. You've been like number one or, or number two on our list of desired interviews for now approaching three years. But I have done Metal Sucks interviews for just about every record we put out, right? That's true. That's true. But podcast true, but interviews. Not with us. Yeah. No. Not with you guys. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure I've us. ever actually done a podcast before either. Really? Well, welcome. Oh. So, I'm chewing on the rest of my lunch right now, so just give me a, give me a second. <laughs> May I ask what up. you would be eating? A granola bar. Oh, man, that's weak. Totally thrilling, right? Well, you know. Yeah, yeah I'm, not, I'm not eating anything that's, um, wor- like, noteworthy. No, just <laughs> quick, quick, easy food to eat while you're slammed with other stuff, you know? Understand. you you got nothing else going on. What are you talking about? N- nothing at all. <laughs> It couldn't possibly be the busiest time in your career ever right now. No, not even by a long shot, no. <laughs> this is not only the best album of your career, this is quite possibly the best album of the year. Major congratulations and f- gratitude to you. Oh, man, this album is good. Thank you. Um, you know, believe it or not, we actually feel like, well, we don't, I don't, I don't know about the best album of the year, but we definitely think this is our best record yet you know i thought it was interesting when you guys because i watched a, a lot of the behind the scenes uh the youtube videos that you guys have posted and I, lo- I love the year in the basement i like i think that's a great idea uh as far as like you guys getting back to writing but i thought it was interesting that you know having two new members of the band having them be on tour with you for so for so long and then have to pause and go into the into the writing process that changing of your state of mind to be able to do that. I thought that was a really interesting idea that you guys didn't even think about that until you got into the basement. The, well, the, the thing, the, the truth, the truth of, you know, writing records in, in this band is that, that every, you know, li- literally every time we have written a record, it's been a, you know, substantially different, you know, method. And because of that, we never, there's there's no real there's no really great way of approaching it it just we we have a sense at some point that it is necessary or that it's time to start writing something and there's no there's like there really is no way for us to figure out you know you know the answer to questions like where do we start how do we start what what should we what should we go after you know um 
it's, uh, I don't know, I, I guess this word gets used a lot, and it's a, it, can, it can be a fairly cliche term, but it, it, is, it is a really organic process, meaning that when it starts, it starts, and you know, you know that only because it feels like it has started. And so, you know, so we'll, we'll generally, you know, block off time and, and, and begin, but that doesn't mean that if January 1st is the official start date of this, this, you know, kind of, uh, vague idea about writing a record that, that, that we're going to walk away and that January 2nd we'll have something done. It's it, it, quite the opposite, you know, yeah. generally there's a, there's a warm up period, you know, you just, you have to, for, you know, for, first thing you have to do is you have to stop practicing your old songs. I, I, that's actually kind of a, a, a big deal because practicing is one thing and writing is a completely different thing. Uh, the, you know, the motions are the same. The, the output, is, you know, can sound similar, but it's, it's a, it's a really a different, a different mindset. And it, if you think about it and you break it down, it, it's, a, it's a fairly complicated thing taking the absence of anything and then creating something from that, you know, uh, well, you know, one day I have no songs, and then eight months later, I, there is a record, and it exists, and it's been written and considered and poured over, and you know, we're going to spend money to record it and then release, it, and then we'll have to play those songs for us. But at one point, none of those songs existed. You know, even conceptually, they 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 didn't exist. So yeah, it's a, it's a it's a pretty big it's a pretty big mindset, you know, gear shift to to get from one to the next. We, you know, we were working. We were, we we had been working towards that. That was that was a thought for sure. Uh, as soon as as soon as we had reformed our band, and as soon as we had you know begun touring, we 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 were you know Pete and I were very keenly aware of the fact that the idea of uh, you know what we call an album cycle had had gone out the window um, ten months before that yeah. on the, on on August fifteenth. That was no longer an option, and we had, you know, we had been given advice, and you know, and everybody had warned us that that was the case. And being the way that we are, we were just like, oh yeah, whatever, sure. I mean, I'm sure you're right to to some some degree, but but we're you know we we were we're going to get out there and we're going to tour on this record. That's what we're going to do. However, the, you know, the the reality was we we weren't. It, it didn't really feel like we were touring to support a record or, or to promote or present a record. <laughs> You know, whatever you're, whatever you're supposed to do immediately after you release something, it felt like we were traveling around the world, getting used to our, our, our new rhythm section, whom we hoped would work out, and uh, you know, going to cities uh, and playing in front of audiences uh, and with you know, working with promoters that we hadn't had the chance to work with uh, as a result of the accident. So it was kind of you know, it was it was uh, you know. Like uh, figuratively speaking, it was kind of like we were going around shaking everybody's hands, saying, "Yeah, look, we're all right. Uh, we, you know, we'll be back and everything like that." And then, you know, here's here's our double record that we never really got to play that much. Uh, and here's our favorite songs off that. And then once that was done, you know, there was there was a there was a sense. And this is just between Pete and I because you know we had the history with it, but there was a sense that we we could have and should have gotten the opportunity to do much more than that. And that is, you know, it was very, it was a, a very bittersweet feeling. So, you know, rather than get, you know, kind of stuck in, in downer mode about that, the most obvious thing to do was write a record. It seems like when put out a double album, you're 
expecting and and getting a lot of faith from people in the industry, etc. And it's like you got a lot of people whose livelihoods now depend on the sec- success of the album. Did that weigh on you guys in the wake of the accident? To, to a degree, yeah. I mean, I, I think uh, it would be a little presumptuous to say that it, it didn't have any effect on our, our mindset. Um, but, but you know, having having played as long as we as we've played, uh, and you know, having made the idea of touring and, and recording and releasing records a such a huge portion of our life, we've we have built up. Uh, an infrastructure of, of people, uh, you know, who are our friends, people who we deeply care about, who are invested in our well-being and and our activity as a as a touring entity, and that was a choice that we made. You know, you don't ha- you don't have to spend as much energy as we do uh, on your on touring. It's not you know for for some people it's it's not really. It's not as exciting or as fun as, as as I think it is. So you know, we it really this it really was a kind of a mess that we had made. And even though the you know that accident was unintentional, of course, um, there 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 then was you know a group of people who were hugely supportive of us and really like really encouraged us to get to get back into the swing of things. Not because they required us to do so, but because they, you know, because we work with people we care about and people who care about us. Um, but you know, with that, with that comes the, the idea that the team, you know, if the team isn't all working towards something, then that inertia, it, you know, it, it's a, it's a bad thing. And I'm look, it's no, it's no, it, it probably is no secret to anybody out there that no, like the only people that really survive off the livelihood of this band are the, are the members, but it's some, you know, there are, there are a lot of people involved and we, we do have families and we do, have, you know, we do have this team and network of people with whom we work who want to see us productive and creative and happy and, and moving forward. And when that was stopped, that's, you know, everybody was affected and we didn't, you know, we certainly we wouldn't, I, I, I can say categorically, we would never, write an album to support the people that work with us and, you know, in some way, shape or form depend on us. But we're aware, we're aware of that fact. And so, you know, it was kind of like the sooner the better, you know, on all fronts. Like we, we chose to use the forward momentum of the band, uh, as, as the terms of our recovery, you know, meaning, well, if we, if we can get through nine months of touring, then we've, we, you know, we've passed a certain milestone in, in our recovery. And then if furthermore, uh, you know, our rhythm section chooses to, you know, think, thinks that they, they enjoy being in the band and, and, you know, we feel reciprocal, then the next thing would, you know, the next mile marker would be writing and the next mile marker would be recording uh, and releasing. And now, you know, on the, you know, on the eve of touring, this, this is just an, another step forward and another, another chance for us to prove internally to ourselves that we uh, that that we have we are continuing a path of recovery and it's not finished and it's not ever going to be finished but it, it can certainly be improved on and it's you know it's the, it is the net result of a whole lot of hard work and a whole lot of you know a lot of things had to go wrong in order for this to go right 
and I'm aware of that. We're we're all aware of that, and and we you know while we try not to focus on it, it, it is you know that is the reality of the matter. So how are you? I mean, I know that you physically obviously can play. You're writing. You got the you got the and you got art still working. It's still going. But how are you in your recovery process, like mentally and everything? Are you doing well? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm realistically, I'm I think I'm doing as well as well as I can. It's not. You know, there, there's, there. I'll just put it this way: there's daily reminders and momentary reminders that, you know, things aren't, things are never, things aren't now where they used to be, and they're never going to be there again. So that's just the, you know, that's my, that's my issue. I'll, I'll, I'll I got a lifetime to deal with it, and I, you know, I really, you know, really, the, one of the things that has been, you know, so great for me personally. Through you know through the past three years and the experiences that we've been through is I've become uh, or I've, I've gained an understanding that the you know the music community out there uh, which is includes but isn't limited to our, you know our fans our our team our crew our families our friends it, it has been hugely hugely helpful in allowing you know not just me but I think you know everybody involved to take this really traumatic, you know, kind of horrific event, which the horror of which is still present in, in daily life. Yeah. But it, it, we, it's a lot, you know, the community, the community and, and the attention that we've gotten, the support we've gotten. And, you know, in some ways, just the fact that I, I get to talk about it openly to someone has been, has been really helpful. And it, it's, it's showing me that, you know, w- even though I, I'm realistic and, and I know that you know things aren't are far from perfect, there there's plenty of room for improvement, you know, moving forwards. And um, I think everything that we do now is further proof of that. While I should also, you know, before I get you know too tangential on in that regard, I should point out that it, it's actually not a topic of discussion, really. You know, w- within a, within Baroness and within my household uh, and among this network of people that we work with, it's really, it's surprising how little that accident, incident, injury, recovery comes up. We never talked about it while we were writing music. Uh, And, you know, I'm very fortunate to say that the, the other three guys in the band were completely and like overwhelmingly sympathetic and understanding with, to the fact that, while we we may not be addressing it openly, you know, and talking about it, you know, with with uh, you know, in terms of how the music is getting written, it you know, it comes across lyrically and conceptually. There's, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot there's a lot I've got to deal with, and I've you know, you know, I've chosen, you know, long prior long prior to that accident, I chose that you know that the themes that this band would deal with would would largely be those themes that are too complicated or too nuanced or too difficult to deal with in a, you know, in a purely verbal sense or in a, in a solitary, um, in a solitary way. So did you call it a snooty seriousness or something like that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I have come to talk about a lot of things, but <laughs> I, I, I focus on that sometimes. Mm-hmm. It's not, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's unavoidable. And I don't, you know, I don't prefer to do that. It's not. It's not very fun for me to complain to people at large about, you know, simple things like, oh, the fact that this just this pain just never dims. It never goes away. It's always there. It's it's a constant. 
Okay? That's the truth. It's a constant. So let's just, you know, and anybody that knows me knows that now, and we don't have to, we don't have to spend a whole lot of time talking about it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and the, the mental aspect of what, what happened is, is, it's really severe. You know, I'm not, I'm not shying away from that bag. It's, I, in fact, I, th- I think it would, you know, t- if I, if I were to repress those feelings, I wouldn't have the mental capacity to deal with it in a realistic way. So, you know, I'll, I'll, I'm open about it. I'm honest about it, you know. Things that are easy, you know, I'm happy to admit that they're easy. The things that are difficult, I'm, I'm, you know, wouldn't say that I'm happy to admit that they're difficult, but I'm, I'm willing to admit that they're difficult because if I don't, they become more difficult, you know, as as, as it goes. And I think this is this isn't a unique circumstance for me. This is this is everybody. If you bottle something up long enough and don't share it with the people who, who you know who care about you, things have a tendency to get. They have a tendency to enlarge and become become much much bigger problems, and the you know the symptoms of those problems become or, or have the you know run the risk of becoming really destructive. And this is you know there's enough destructiveness currently to deal with that I do not need to add any fuel to that fire. Um, so yeah, I guess. Um, John, is there is there? I mean, considering with the pain, I mean, as a musician, I got to ask you: Should we be concerned at all about painkillers or anything else that's going to help you cope with that pain? Yeah, because I'm, I mean, I'm I'm concerned with it. It's uh, it's something I it's something I, I I have to treat. You know, I have to treat the pain that I'm in. Yeah. It's sharp enough and it's acute enough that if I don't treat it, the the quality of living that I have takes a very, very noticeable and steep nosedive. And I've, I'm somewhat open about this, but I, I, I have a history, and I thought that perhaps I had moved beyond that. I, it's not necessarily the case. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I also have doctors that I'm open with, and I've spoken to them at great length about the, you know, the difficulties that I'm having, not just with, not just in treating pain, but in, you know, in the, in the method by which I'm essentially forced to treat pain. And it's not particularly easy, but I found that after three years of wrestling with this, um, you know, g- gaining a, a realistic understanding of, of what, you know, what I need to do in order to be a creative, productive, caring, open individual is I need to, you know, I really need to stop delineating things in, in you know, in a black and white sense. And I need to be, I need to treat myself correctly uh, because I, I, you know, I have, a, I have to set an example for my family, and I'm not setting a very good example if I'm miserable and angry and bent out of shape all the time because, you know, just for for some simple reason, like I, I'm in physical pain. Um, so if if I can mollify that some somehow or lessen it to a degree then I'm going to be in a position to be, you know, a, a better dad. Let's just say that, you know, um, my daughter's young. She doesn't, she does not deserve to see her father struggling. Uh, so I try to keep my personal struggle at a minimum. Uh, if for no other reason than just to, just that she doesn't have to see that, you know? So, yeah, I mean, the short answer is, yeah, like you have to be concerned. Like I have to be concerned or you don't have to be concerned. But I do, and um, be, being open in my concern is the is the way that I, I believe 
there's a positive outcome to it, you know? Yeah, if you don't talk about it, if you don't at least kind of, or if it's not in the open, then it goes into the shadows and then nobody knows and it becomes a problem, right? Exactly. And, that, you know, that that's something that I'm very familiar with that mentality. I'm very familiar with that lifestyle where you have to be sneaky and, you, have to, you know, there's this clandestine thing that you've got and you're, you know, you're, nobody else knows about it or you try to hide it from people as long as you can. But eventually those secrets get aired and they tend, you know, they tend to get a spotlight shown on them in a, in a very dramatic, um, unnecessary way. And I'm just not willing to do that. John, I ne- I've never gone through anything like what you went through, but I had a, a moment where I thought it was over for me. And, and coming out of that, I got incredibly impatient. Like I wanted everything to happen as fast as possible because I didn't know how much time I had left. You know, that sort of idea. Did you have anything like that? And if you did, how did that affect your art and affect your songwriting and your creative process in general? I mean, I guess I'm less patient <laughs> with, with, with that. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm not, not, I, I would consider myself excuse me, on the whole, a relatively patient human being. However, I, I, you know, you know, with the understanding now that, that, you know, this wonderful thing that we call life and, you know, is, it can be a very fleeting thing. And for many people it is, uh, it's, it's hastened my need to create and to produce and to, you know, activate and access all of, all of those things on all of those uh, directions that that, I, that I've always considered. You know, you know, I, I'm pretty sure I'm not going to have much of a midlife crisis because I'm just doing as much as I can all the time, always. Which is, you know, kind of a separate problem in and of itself. I, I think I've I think I've become so impatient with, uh, you know, with you know just work in general now that I I gotten to the point where I need to learn how to uh, take a break and relax a little bit. But, um, you know, now, this isn't a good year for that. So maybe 2017, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll learn that. But yeah, I mean, pay, pay, the, pay, my patience for, uh, you know, getting things done has, has waned uh, because it, it, it's really obvious. And I have, I have a real experience uh, that that's proven to me that it's just, you know, all of this stuff that we do, all of these inner relationships and uh, things that we're involved with, they can just stop. Uh, and it takes but an instant, and you will never be able to do those things again. Um, which is a dark thought, but I think the you know you can the outcome of that can be something positive. Yeah, and that seems to be the idea. It's like if it, if you do realize it's abbreviated, then you you want to put as much into it as you can. Like every day matters, right? Yeah, sure, and 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 you know what? Everybody says that anyway. Yeah, and it sounds I, I cliche. I, 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 know, don't, I don't. I don't think. I don't. I, I mean, no, I'm not to say that. It's, I mean, it, it, yes, it, it is cliche, but it's that it's cliche because it's true. True. And you know, we've we've all heard that. I don't. I don't know that. You know, getting a a real life example of uh, that is is necessary. I, I I think. I think you can. You know, we can all reason that out pretty quickly. You know, it's it's just it's it's everything it's everything else in life that, that tries to stop you from, uh, you know, from being the most that you can be, and and you know, having an understanding for that, and trying trying to uh, you know wrestle with that, and you know, make use of the idea that that you know life is short, 
you might as well, you know, get to the point now, you know, why wait, all that kind of stuff, you know, the seize the day isms. The, the only reason we don't do that is because we, it, it, it is sometimes easier, or no, it is easier to be inactive than it is to be active. It is easier to be negative than it is to be positive. And I, I am a negative person quite frequently. Um, so taking taking strides and, you know, uh, engaging in the, the sorts of activities that I do, uh, musically speaking and artistically speaking, gives gives me a good outlet for to turn that negativity and turn that anxiety, stress, uh, difficulty into something good that, 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 that not only... Uh, you know, I, not only do I think it, it, you know our thoughts and ideas worth sharing with people, but but also things that you know that help me. You know, there's a, there's a therapeutic effect to all, all of the stuff that I make for myself, and it just so, so happens that it, it coincides with you know our fans and, and you know the people who the people who like what we do and pay pay you know pay for tickets to see us play shows. Uh, that's a, that's just dumb luck, I think. When you're painting. Or even when you're writing a riff, I mean, how do you stop yourself from going, nope, one hot chick is enough. You know, I don't need to make two more. <laughs> Next, you know, or, I, you know, this song already has two riffs. I don't need to add a third off. We'll just put it somewhere else. How do you stop that and just allow yourself to be in the moment and allow the, the process to, I don't know, sort of defy everything that sort of your gut would tell you you need to do? Uh, I think you have to, well, for, for I think I had to, you know, run through the ringer for ten years before I before I started to get an understanding for that. So uh, I guess experience, you know, experience dictated to me things like refinement and ideas like restraint. Um, I wasn't a particularly restrained person at one point, and that's you know, if you listen to if you if you go back and listen to our early our early material, like it's it's obvious to me. Uh, maybe maybe it's obvious to you, but uh, you know one 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 thing that we that, that is work that we spent a lot of time developing uh, with this record in particular was you know was just that idea like if we are truly acting in service of our songs you know and our material then we need to recognize when the addition of any one element is going to have a subtractive quality on the overall song and that's a very it's a very difficult concept to contend with and implement uh you know i can say it and you you probably have an understanding about what i'm saying but as you're in the process of doing things it, ta- it for me it's it's been a it's been a lifelong process of you know learning when to you know, as you say stop you know when to stop and go okay this is this is it you know um and I think you know, in some ways, that's kind of the awesome thing about being young is you just you don't have that filter, and you're not you're not really concerned about that kind of stuff. So your expression is, you know, really full and thorough and chaotic, and 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 that and that, that can be cool. But it's not it's not something that I particularly wanted to do eternally. And with this record, you know, it was it is definitely a combination of the, that experience that I, that that Pete and I have had in Baroness. And the you know the addition of Sebastian and Nick, who had that under you know who had a similar understanding uh, in in terms of editing and restraint and uh, you know being focused with, with you know with our direction. Um, so we applied that as you know as much as we could, and you know we tried to we tried to 
make our songs concise. And if there was a point to it or a concept or you know, an idea that we're working towards, we tried to understand which musical conventions and which kind of like technical artifice wouldn't work, you know, for that idea. And then, you know, on the opposite side of it, which, which ones would, you know, there, there's, there's a point that you get to after you've played so much music where, you know, basically I'll put it this way, like, you know, if you, you or me or anybody else puts our 10,000 hours in or whatever, you know, whatever they say, uh, you're going to become a great craftsman. I don't care what you want to do. If you spent the next 10 years of your life learning how to be a dentist, at the end of 10 years, you're going to be an okay dentist if you really put time in. And uh, and the reason you know um, the reason I say this is to, is to say that some some of the, some musical things could just come easy easy after a while. Uh, like you, there are tricks that you know will work, and so you can you know you can see how many how many ways you can skin a certain cat. Um, but at the end of the day, you know you you gain an understanding that this particular musical mechanism will have the exact same effect today that it did yesterday and 10 years ago and, and so on and so forth. You know, let's, as a band, be careful in the way that we use those things. Uh, if it's a theme for the record, then we can, you know, we can use it more frequently. But if it's something, you know, if we really want to get the most out of any particular uh, effect or idea, you know, generally speaking, the less you do, it, you know, unless you do that thing, the more impact it's going to have. So if, you know, if there's a, if there's a guitar wailing in every second of every song we write, then uh, who cares how good the guitar player is? It's just, it's a lost, it's a lost idea at that point. But if you wait and, you know, leave one short, uh, amazing guitar solo in a record, then that's what people remember. Uh, and, I'm not saying that there's one, I'm definitely not saying that there's one guitar solo on the record, but <laughs> I'm just saying that we, you know, we're, we're careful about the, where we place things because it's got to, you know, it's got to, on, on some level, it's got to feel good. It's got to be fun to play. Uh, it's got to be, you know, creatively engaging. It's got to push us and excite us in a certain way. Uh, it's got, you know, with, with this record in particular, we had, you know, each song had to have a direction that it was working in, you know, towards, and it, it had to meet we had to get from point A to point B the, the most efficient way that we could. And then there's, you know, then, there, then there's always room to put a lie on the cake and, and, you know, kind of gussy it up. But, it, you know, underneath all of that, uh, you know, I don't want to say artifice because that sounds like I'm being very negative, but underneath all of the tricks and, uh, you know, cool spices and everything, there has to be something substantial. And we would, you know, if, if we were writing a song that felt, you know, more like it was based on the technique than we just, you know, put it on the cutting room floor. You know, maybe remember a part, we'll use it again when we've got a real song to put it in. Uh, but we wanted to write songs, and that's tricky for us because we didn't, we didn't start off as, you know, quote-unquote songwriters. We started off as, uh, you know, with the idea that we could sort of do nonlinear songwriting, you know, just be, instead of A, B, A, B, A, B, we go A, B, C, D, E, F, you know, however long we wanted to go. Just, you know, never repeat yourself in, in a song and just kind of throw the whole kitchen sink in there and see what happens. And it, it worked to a degree, but it got to the point where it, was, it wasn't exciting anymore. And it, it, it almost felt like we were just kind of wasting some good ideas because we wouldn't, we just, we wouldn't 
you know, use them. We wouldn't use them enough to, you know, we wouldn't we're, we wouldn't have themes to our songs. They just sounded like to me. I go back and I listen to, you know, Red, uh, you know, certain songs on Blue, a lot of the, a lot of the EP stuff, and and I just go, oh, we we're just. I mean, all we were doing is just kind of having like a like a music workout that was good at the time, and it was very informative. And we wouldn't be where we are today without having done that. But uh, we did do that, and that. To, to, to repeat that would be, would, you know, would turn that into a formula. Not interested in formulas. Not interested in, you know, repetition of ideas. I want to do something fresh every time and push myself forward, you know. Well, and that's that idea, like you're saying, with the, you do anything for 10 years and you can become, you know, pretty good at it. But I always felt like be, writing music is completely different than being a dentist. I mean, granted, I could fix somebody's tooth after 10 years and do it okay. But I don't know that even after 10 years worth of effort, you still can make a connection with an audience, and I think that's I think that's a whole different aspect to it. I think I think you've got to have something else there, right? Well, yeah, and, and I, I guess that is that's actually the point that I'm working towards is uh, you know once once we've become good enough technicians, uh, then all we're left with then you can explore. You know, well, then all we're left with is the difficulty of writing something that you know that even we connect with mm-hmm. and. Uh, that's a that's a subtle there, that's a subtle thing because as tech you know music has a technical side there this type of music has a technical side to it so as technicians we can be interested to a certain degree for a while before we realize what's going on but you know the more you play the more you see through everything uh, you know you layer up two guitars in a harmonic way and it's look it sounds great the first time you hear it. It's, it may sound great the second time you hear it, uh, but if you do it continually, you, you, it's just okay. Well, that's you know, it, the melody's like uh, you know, if the melody's halfway decent and you're layering things up, then it will be somewhat effective. But is that has, has anybody ever said that, that 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 is the definition of a good song? No, there is you know, history's filled with incredible technicians writing horseshit songs and like uh, rudimentary technicians and craftsmen writing unbelievable songs. I would imagine at some point you, you, you've painted something where you went, okay, I think this is done. And then you see it up on your wall and you go, wait a minute. No, I got to do more to it. Is there any chance that you would ever take one of those really great songs on red or blue and decide to make them awesome? Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, that's that. Well, that's that's one of the, you know, driving features of this band is that, you know, I I I truly believe there is no such thing as a bad idea in theory, uh, meaning anything is worth trying. We will know if it's not good and if it's not worth seeing to its conclusion. But there's no there's no like principle or uh, concept that is just going to get shot down, you know, on spec. So the, you know, the idea of, you know, reconfiguring an older song is, is a, is a very viable option. I'm not saying when, if, how, or, you know, under what circumstance it would happen, but it's, it's, it's definitely not out of the realm, realm of possibilities. And I think, you know, I think with, with things like that, you know, we, you know, and where we are currently as a band, we still have, you know, some groundwork and, you know, just some, some heavy lifting to get out of the way before we, you know, before we get into the territory where we can, uh, you know, start going back and looking at things in the past. 
uh, and reconfiguring and trying to, you know, trying to find some new life to them. But, but, you know, for the time being, we've got a whole bunch of new stuff that, that requires a whole, you know, a great deal of attention. With the new record, why the choice to do the, your own label? I hate saying this, but why not? Um, we've, we've been, we've been touring for 13 years. Uh, we've played thousands of shows. Uh, we've been around the world many, many, many times. And during those 13 years, we've met label owners. Uh, we've met promoters. We've booked our own tours. We've, you know, we've met agents. We've met managers. We've met record distributors. We've been to uh, production facilities. Uh, we've met, you know, DJs, our audience. We've come in contact with just about everything. And having done that and looking back at it, it's really not, you know, the, the idea of putting a record out isn't really a complicated thing. There are a lot of people involved, that is for sure. And there's a lot of work involved, that is also for sure. But to say that in this day and age, like, in, you know, this year, that you need a label to act as in, you know, some kind of intercessor between you, the, you know, the musician and artist, and the you know the world at large is, is is kind of ridiculous if you're you know if you're in Baroness because we can do we can do the same things I'm I'm not sure that we can do them as you know in you know individually I'm, we couldn't we probably can't do press as well as uh, you know a press agent could so we have a press agent but well you know I I, I have lost count of how many records I've designed packaging for and how many you know phone calls and uh, I've had with, you know, vinyl pressing plants and CD duplication facilities. And, um, so, so that's not an issue. I can do that. And, and you know, from the standpoint of dis- distribution, what, what is the label's duty there that, that we, you know, that we're incapable of? We've, we've got the time, we've got the energy, we've, for better or for worse, we've devoted ourselves to this band. So, uh, you know, anything like that, is potentially something we can do. And if, if we personally can't do it, then we, we have this awesome thing, which is all of our incredibly talented friends uh, whom we, with whom we want to work and we want to have help us, you know, release records and go on tours and, and do, all the stuff, do all the stuff that's important to us. Uh, but, but, you know, the, the, one of, the, one of the, the other things that, that's really critical to understand here is there's, there, there are no better people suited to represent this band than the people inside this band. And so because of that, because of you know, all, the, all the other factors that I just mentioned, uh, we, we feel like it's, it's something that is entirely possible. And so far, it's proven to be entirely possible uh, to, to, you know, quote unquote, be yourself. It's not just four of us doing it. You know, I, I'm, I'm not making that assertion. There are people that we work with, but there is nobody that we work for. And that's important because when I started playing music, when I was a teenager and I became, you know, I had, you know, my love affair with, with, this, with this world began, it was because it seemed to me like a place where you could be yourself, undiluted, without compromise, and you know, people would people would respect that. And and you know, as as we've gotten as we've gotten older, and you know, gain the experience that we feel is is uh, you know necessary to, to be able to pull off something like releasing a record, then you know, 
our contract for three gaps was up and you know we have a we have a great relationship with those guys uh you know I love, love those guys to death they have done nothing but good for this band but well you know once the contract was up then we have all of a sudden we had an opportunity to re-sign with them move to another indie label uh you know go sign to a major or something like that and all of those would come with things like sign-on bonuses and you know, all sorts of all sorts of goodies and attractive, uh, you know, creature comforts. All, you know, on the front end of things, but this is about an, our, our artistic integrity and about creative control, and we want that. And we need that. That is a that's a necessary thing for this band. So um, yeah, so we have our own label. So John, was there any sort of economic impact, both as a result of the crash directly, and then <clears throat> you know all the lost work afterwards that made those bonuses tempting? And how did you guys survive that economically in, as individuals? I mean, yeah, there was a huge financial impact, and I won't really get into that because that's that's not that fun to talk about, honestly. Um, <laughs> Damn. But, but, but again, I'm just I'm just going to back up again and say that none of none of this, you know, you getting back on the first tour, let you know, let alone writing, recording, releasing record, none of that would have been remotely possible without without support and I'm speaking very broadly about support because we we you know we we had fan support we had support from within our infrastructure and you know certainly from from relapse and everybody there from our management from our family from our friends from you know not just from strangers um, and because of that we were able to push through some of these you know these things which were, you know which were and are difficulties. But then, you know, I, I always, I always have to back up and say these aren't really unique difficulties. These are the same financial difficulties that that, that everybody deals with. And I'm not even restricting this to, you know, like, you know, purely to musicians. Like, you know, everybody's got to make ends meet. Everybody's got to put food on the table. And uh, we're we we consider ourselves lucky because we we get to do this thing that we love doing, and that's a, that's a real passion of ours. And uh, we've been just beyond fortunate in that some of, you know, many of the associations that we have and the relationships that we've built up over the course of our, uh, our career have been philanthropic, doesn't even begin to explain it, to, uh, to describe it. They've just helped, you know? Um, sometimes it's confidence. Sometimes it's, you know, sometimes it's a kick in the ass, but, you know, there's always somebody who you know who's who's been able to allow us to feel confident to you know to move forward but by whatever means uh we you know we need at the time when we've talked to clutch and monster magnet and these other guys who have done the record label on themselves uh, themselves the word that always seems to come up is freedom do you guys feel that and what would you do with it uh what would we do with freedom yeah, like being, I mean, being never, able to never, release anything we, anytime. We've never felt anything other than free. If we ever, if you know, if, honestly, if we ever felt restrained, I, I, I'm sure you and I wouldn't be having this conversation. We've we've always felt entirely free to do what we want, and the the tricky thing, you know, the trick has been as we've gotten a larger profile, or as, as there's you know as there's been more people involved. Uh, the trick is maintaining that freedom and never letting go of it. And, and, you know, 
you have to do it in a way that respects the people you work with and your audience and your family and, and everybody else. But I've never felt anything other than entirely free doing what I do. Well, John, we could probably go on with you for another couple of hours. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, I, I can talk. Trust uh, me. No, I can. Can, can, <laughs> can we do this again, though? Can we yeah, do we'll this again? To, we'll have to hit you up again at some point. Yeah, I'm always around. Hmm. But, dude, I seriously, I think uh, I think the Purple Record is uh, your finest hour. Uh, Thank it, you. It is, uh, it well, is I do a, too. an amazing record and uh, definitely one of your best and probably the best of the year. So. Thank you. Thank you so much so for con- that. Congratulations. You know, I, don't, I don't care if you're just making me feel good at the end of this conversation. No, okay? I'm not. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> I'm no, not. I actually it's published I, and online, yeah. <laughs> I, I played it for one of my coworkers. I was like, you have to hear this record. It is so good. It really is. So I'm uh, definitely, definitely co- color me purple. Yeah. Chuck and I don't agree about much, but we agree on that one. Totally, right? Awesome. awesome. And and I don't know and I don't know if you do the Facebook page or not, but I loved your I, I loved your stuff about the Paris attacks. I thought that was the exact right tone to take with everything. I thought it was perfect. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, it it, it of course that 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 hit me, you know, that hit me and you know, everybody's around the world really hard. Yeah. Of course. And I felt very strange knowing that the next day, that the, the day, or two days after that attack, we were going to release a single, and I, I am excited to release songs. I am excited to release a record, but I couldn't, you know, this, this may be slightly narcissistic or, or, or egotistical, I just felt like before I exude excitement, I need to, you know, I need to pay respect to this this horrible thing that happened that is going to change things for us and everybody we know indefinitely. And well, you know, as I said, as I said in that in that little thing that I wrote, I know that talking about it and writing, you know, I can write all day about it, and it may not have any, you know, realistic impact because I'm not a politician, I'm, I'm not a policymaker, and. You know, I'm I'm not part of I'm not part of that literal fight, but I'm a member of a global community, and if I can, you know, recognize this, in, you know, in, in the most realistic way that I can, uh, without hyperbolizing or without, um, you know, without like taking taking sides. I mean, obviously, I'm I'm not on the side of anybody that would do harm to, to another person, but it, it was just. I and we as a band need to recognize that before we start promoting a record, you know, because th- yeah. there are things there are things that are way bigger than us, you know. And that yeah. is one of them. No, I, I thought it, I thought it was a it, it was a very good post, and uh, and and I totally agree with everything you said in it as well. Just as far as being able to kind of take a step back, a deep breath, provide sympathy and empathy and love to everybody, I thought that was really a a, a good compassionate statement. Is empathy yeah, something that comes to you different? now than it used to either before you even started touring around the world or when you from this accident mm, i don't think so i mean i'm maybe i'm more aware of it now but i i, I don't really feel like anything fundamentally has changed with me um you know but we, I, I am a human being you know i feel for other i feel for other people's pain i think we all do uh, I, I'm just lucky or fortunate. I have that uh, you know people listen to what, what I say, um, and there's an audience or whatever. So uh, you know the obligation that you know that we have as musicians, artists, people with public profiles is to you know not misuse that, not capital you know neither to capitalize you know other people's tragedy or our own, 
but neither should we ignore it. It, it. And if you do take a point, it's uh, trying to further that discussion a little bit. Yeah. Know, at least open open people's minds, hearts, that sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. Hopefully. Definitely. Hopefully, anyway. Definitely. <laughs> you know, yeah, that. I mean, it's, and, that's, and that's, that's it. It, it. I just, I hope that, you know, somebody, you know, I hope that people agree. I, I don't see any reason why they wouldn't. But it's, you know, again, I'm just preaching the choir there, really. Yeah. You know, I'm just, I'm not saying anything that's particularly new or or uh, provocative or, you know, anything that's going to have a, a real impact. I'm just venting a bit and uh, it should be okay to do that. And we, you know, sympathy is, sympathy is something we should all feel.
to the Metal Sucks Podcast today. from vision a disorder on the metal six podcast raised to the ground is the uh, name of the new record if you have not checked it out do it it is out now and uh and i gotta say it's probably their finest work which is weird to say after two decades of vision of disorder it's it's nuts 
to think that the the band has got that kind of output. That's like Frankie Valley in the Four Seasons when they came out with uh, uh, Oh What a Night. You know, they've been around for twenty <laughs> years. Right. By the time they did that, you know, uh, that uh, yeah, and I and I think they did. I think they broke up in the middle of that too for a while. And uh, uh, I don't know. This is a, this is some good stuff, dude. So I think you yeah, need to check this one out, man. Uh, so yeah. Oh, uh, Metal Six is brought to you by um, Converse Rubber Tracks. Any band can apply for a full day of studio time. A full day of studio time at Converse.com/slash/RubberTracks. If your band is selected, you record at no cost while maintaining the rights to their to your music. Wait, what? Really? For more info, visit Converse-Music.com and maybe get your band in there today. That'd be kick-ass, dude. So, uh, Metal Sucks did a few. There's some good ones out there, right there. We're also you brought. Gotta, like, you got to go like to New York or something to do that. Uh, yeah, New. Uh, well, I think the yeah, I think the two studios are in Boston and New in York, Boston, okay. if I remember right, like Brooklyn and Boston, if I remember. At least the ones oh, for what the a me- cool road trip would be. You yeah, know? at least for the metal dudes, that's the two because that's yeah. uh, Kurt Ballou's studio and um, and uh, 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 Putney, uh, his studio in Brooklyn. So they're using those two guys for the metal ones, which is pretty badass. I mean, how would you do getting to work with those guys? I mean, not to mention. <laughs> You know, Kurt Ballou, you get to work with him at Creative Live just by watching him on the videos, too. So that's, you know, that, that, did you watch that last week? The Fix It in the Mix video? Um, I haven't, I haven't, haven't been able to watch the video yet. I really want to do that. But I, like, I, I, uh, uh, you know, because my time zone thing is totally screwed up from y'all's. Yeah. So it was like nine hours later. And, right. and, uh, uh, but yeah, yeah. I mean, it, I can't wait to hear how that went because I haven't heard yet, uh, uh, from people what they thought of it. So if you did, if you did attend, please, uh, tweet or, facebook or whatnot because we'd love to hear how it went for you what you thought because uh kurt kurt's a metal god when it comes to the studio that's for sure mm-hmm. so yeah if you want to learn how to record music check out our friends at creative live they've got classes on engineering mixing mastering all taught by uh, your favorite artists like kurt blue uh periphery dillinger escape plan between the bear and me creative live.com slash audio if you want to learn more and watch some free previews uh, to get you kind of in the in the new, if you know what I'm saying. So check it out. Uh, there's a, there's so many cool things for you to learn at Creative Live, and Lord knows you, you there's a lot of bands that need to learn. <laughs> Got to learn. I, obviously, we love Creative Live, so you, you've heard us talk about them before, and and it's just a, we, an amazing, amazing, amazing resource. We gush just a little bit. Yeah, you know, it really yeah, is I mean, a pretty badass resource. Someday they'll have to get you on to teach how to produce a podcast, so that we don't want anybody else to have a podcast. Yeah, but this this, this <laughs> podcast sucks. So don't 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 learn it from me because uh, I just crank everything up. Uh, I crank everything up to a fucking eleven. It, it was funny. I was I was looking at a friend of mine who's a photographer. I was looking at his uh, pictures today, and he's like, oh, blah, blah, blah. It took me forever to do this. I'm like, well, the fuck did it take you forever to put a goddamn filter in your photo? And then I think about how I deal with interviews. I'm like, oh, you know what? I know what he's doing. <laughs> he's like nitpicking every little thing, and pulling this stuff out, and he's doing that. Yeah, I know exactly what's going on there, too, because I do the same thing, but just with audio <laughs> instead of like visuals. I'd rather be working with boobs, though. You know what I mean? That, that would be a lot, a lot cooler. So uh, now in the back end of the show, we want to briefly talk about this uh, this interview. Um, not really about the interview, but really about what kind of came out of it uh, with Rob Dukes and Exodus and the transition back to having Steve Souza in Exodus and how Rob, in an interview with uh, Mitch LaFon, had said that basically it was a conflict of interest to have Chuck Billy be the manager of Exodus. When I when I quoted it to you, you you sort of agreed with me in that this does almost sound like kind of a conflict of interest, whether or not you would want have want to have something somebody who might not have your best interest in mind, at least 
the possibility of it. So let me quote a little bit of this here. Said, uh, let me give you a scenario. Quote, this is Rob Duke saying this. Metallica calls former it, Exodus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Metallica calls Exodus's management, and they say, "Hey, man, we want Exodus on this tour. What's going to keep Chuck Billy, who is their manager, from going?" Well, I don't know if Exodus will work out, but I know Testament can do it. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so that's that's kind of what he's getting at there, and and the idea is that if you're an honest person, you you wouldn't do that. But who's honest in the music business is kind of what he's getting at. So. Is it a conflict, a conflict of interest to have somebody else that may have their band's interest in front of yours? You know, because Exodus and Testament are arguably about the same, about the same level. If you're talking like ABC level worth of bands that are out there, there, I would say that they're on the same level. Maybe Exodus is a little higher because Gary Holt's now in Slayer, but, but really, you know, I mean, could that be a problem? It could, I mean, it could be, but it's a problem with any management company because any management company's got a whole whole boatload of, co- of clients especially True. if they're a successful a successful and and deserving management company they're going to have a bunch of clients and any phone call that comes in for one client you have to trust that person is going to funnel it to who the call was intended to yeah. because at any point they could be like you know no the guy from you know uh you know so that band you know he's banging my wife so therefore i'm going to steer it to my favorite client over <laughs> here you know and or you know i get 20 percent more on their merch than i get on you know and there's all sorts of reasons why management might switch it to somebody else but yeah. the fact of the matter is is that having a manager is absolutely crucial at a certain point for a band and having somebody who can uh, uh not only take that phone call when it comes in but make that phone call when it goes out and the fact of the matter is is that chuck billy can make a ton of phone calls yeah. that a lot of people in bands can't make and that's a hell of a lot of value in that. Yeah. And I mean, I think it's, I think it is arguably good that you would have somebody who has that experience from a band perspective in that role because, oh, you know, yeah, because time. they've had that experience from your side. So they could definitely see your side of it. They know what you need and they, they kind of, you would hope that they have their, your, their, your best interest in mind. And I mean, you hopefully have the, like that goes around all the way. You know, you're paying somebody to manage you and you want that you want to be you know where you should be on their list you know what i'm saying and and sometimes if metallica did call for exodus and you already had something booked maybe maybe you can't cancel it or dude you know what i'm saying if I metallica mean, if metallica called exodus to open up for him on a tour i think we'd all know it because hell would have just frozen over and that's front page news <laughs> oh come on it's not that it'd be like having slayer open up for you at this point i mean you know, but I think it's just sour grapes from from Duke's about to, about getting fired. You know, more more than anything, because he also go he also went on to say some stuff about you know blah 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 blah. blah. It's all about them trying to you know kind of backstab and oh, stuff. Souza, yeah, yeah, because Souza, you know, is is they think they're going to sell what they did with Fabulous Disaster, and it's like no, you know, Souza's you know what Souza's got a really unique and awesome voice and it's it fits exodus's music and for a bunch of exodus fans that is the voice you know it's, it's, it's like yeah. uh yeah and it's just like a, a belladonna for anthrax like i don't i don't care how deaf you are you cannot argue that john bush is a better singer for anthrax because the fact is that john bush has got the same kind of voice as a million other singers but belladonna man you hear belladonna and that is Freaking Joey Belladonna, and there's nobody but Joey Belladonna. Yeah, like him or not. Same thing with yeah, yeah. Same thing with Steve Souza, man. That's a complete and utterly unique voice. 
Yeah, and I mean, most people will say, if you're going to listen to Exodus, it's going to be fabulous disaster. It's going to be Bonnet by Blood, but God damn it. I can't say it. Well, Bonnet by Blood was the other guy, wasn't it? Was it? The dead guy. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, you know, then you're listening to Exhibit B and you're like, that's not, no, that's not my favorite record. So I don't know. It's like, I don't and it know, wasn't man. That, that I'm not I'm not dissing Dukes on on his voice. He's got a great voice. He it's does. Just, it's probably it's probably a great voice for another band. And he's done I, great I, stuff I, I, with I, them. Like I've heard him do Toxic Walls, and it actually you know he, do, he, do, he do, definitely does it justice. Don't get me wrong, but I mean I haven't heard it. You know I well I've seen him live a bunch with him. So I mean yeah, it, it definitely it definitely works. But I mean. I think in the end, the, the the management sort of thing is that that if you're have if you've got a band that is active and touring and you're managing another band and you're getting paid to manage another band, I think that just it might look like a conflict of interest, but you would really be fucking yourself over if you were screwing over another band. Like if if that ever came out that you had stabbed somebody else in the back, that would be a problem. You know what I'm saying? And I don't think I don't think Chuck Billy or anybody else would risk that kind of shit to uh, for just a little bit of gain out of it. You know what I'm saying? I just don't think that would be worth it to anybody. So yeah, and I, yeah, totally, and and it really it comes down to do you trust the guy who's managing you? And yeah. I don't care if it's Chuck Billy or somebody else, whoever it is, you either trust that person or you don't. And mm-hmm. if you do, then you work with them. And if you don't, you better be able to get out of that deal. And you know, I, I would imagine that that Chuck Billy, part of the reason that he does this sort of stuff is that eventually he wants to stop traveling. Yeah. You know, flying first class back from uh, Malaysia for a little few more bucks than it cost to pay the basis it, you know that gets exhausting after a while you know so uh i would think that that you know chuck would eventually be like you know what? i'd rather sit in an office and just manage bands and you know do the hard work that that you know that 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 is not the hard work of traveling all over the place and missing my family yeah. and so in order to get that to happen he has to be a trustworthy manager yeah and i and i mean i i totally agree i i, I think it's just got it's got to be that way you know, so I, I yep. think it may be just sour grapes and kind of unfounded, but but you know, in this it's particular, a, it's case, kind of a shame that it's kind of a shame that nobody in Exodus throughout their career has spent any time developing the kind of relationships that it looks like Chuck Billy has not only done but now is able to leverage, and that I think is is you know is kind of a shame because they're missing out on it now they're paying out their 15 percent, 20 percent, or whatever uh but you know what chuck is has done that and he did the legwork to do it he's put in the effort and from all accounts he seems to be a pretty trustworthy guy yeah. so uh you know if he calls any band you know in in the metal scene they've got to at least strongly consider taking him on a, as a manager and why not exodus but I mean, in general, though, do you think that uh, do you think of that as a conflict of interest, though? I mean, because I mean, they're obviously less trustworthy people out there. You know, I mean, that could that that could potentially present a problem if you did have somebody. Yeah, I would say even on a, on a lower level, you know, where it may not be as as visible, you know, that kind of thing could could cause some serious issues if somebody else is looking looking out for their band instead of yours. But I, like you said, I guess it's just a straight up trust problem, you know? 
Yeah, and you know what? The only person I would want managing my career, if I had one, <laughs> is somebody who I know is cares about it as much as I do. Yeah, and or at least I believe cares about it as much as I do. Otherwise, it's just not going to work. And yeah. so, you know, even if I'm allowed, I, I would allow somebody to make mistakes, but I would want them to uh, fail fast, and then I would want them to. Um, uh, you know, feel as bad about it as I do, and and you know if that if that doesn't work, you know if that doesn't exist, then that's the wrong person for the gig. Yeah, no, good, good point, good point. And hey, come come to South by Southwest in March, and and I've got uh, a panel of people who are ma- managers, and uh, we'll be discussing topics just like this. Ah, see, I'm going to be talking about rock and roll, baby, while we're there. So that's going to be a whole other thing. <laughs> Why rock and roll is dead? Rock and roll is over. It's over, kids. Everybody go home. <laughs> All right, maybe, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. It might be. We're, we're gonna, we're gonna discover that turns out by Southwest. Well, let's wrap this damn thing up, man. Thank you to John Baisley. He yep. was awesome in this episode. We definitely appreciate it, man. Uh, and uh, thank you to our sponsors, Creative Live and uh, Converse Rubber Tracks. Uh, make sure you are subscribed to this podcast if you uh, are out there and you're looking for a podcast. You know, tell your friends about it, dude. Uh, Metal Sucks Podcast. Uh, that's what we're called. You, you can, you can find us. You can find Chuck and Godless. You can find us on Patreon if you want to help us out you can contribute Please. to us chuckandgodless.com if you click on that uh, it'll take you right to our Patreon account uh, and you can support us that way uh, but make sure you're subscribed that's the important thing because if you subscribe it'll come right to your device wherever you get your podcast whether it's Stitcher or whatever that way you can always get the Metal Sucks podcast right to you with uh, the latest guests and you know we never know who the hell are, who we got coming up man we got a couple of good ones we got the best of coming up here at the end of the year so we can oh, run down our, our yeah. top our top 15s of the year so we're going to give you a couple of extra songs in that episode. Then we go on a little break for uh, the holiday and then get back into it in 2016. And, man, we're we going to start off running, baby. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, uh, start off be running. a great year. Best year yet. So we got, a lot of, we got a lot of good stuff. And you want to make sure you're subscribed to us. So do that at iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. Uh, make sure that you uh, find us on the socials. You can find us on uh, Twitter. I am at Bearded Ape. I'm at Godless Speaks. Godless on Facebook. Till next week, I'm Chuck. I'm Godless. And this is the Metal Sucks Podcast. Mm-hmm.